You are now listening to Portionality Podcast. I am your host, Portia D. Hey, Saints. Welcome back to the Portionality Podcast. And this podcast episode is going to be one like none other because this is a crossover episode from Portionality to an upcoming podcast called GoatCast, which has been founded, organized, produced, hosted, all that good stuff by this great comedian by the name of Drexton Clemens. I recently met Drexton literally on the street (laughs) in Greenwich Village, and he is a dude who is super dope. He has great comedy skills. He's an excellent comedian. So I say you need to look him up on Instagram and Facebook, Twitter, you know, all that good stuff. We're going to plug him in by the end of this episode. He will give you all his contact information. But what you need to know is that Drexton Clemens is a native from Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, he is new to the New York area. He features at the Shrine in Harlem, performs all over the country, and has a comedy album on the way. Yes, come on, comedy album on the way, finna drop. And so, and he's getting ready to start and launch Goldcast, which is going to be all about music and some really dope stuff. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna let him tell you about it. So, welcome to this show, Woo-hoo. none other than Drexton Clemens. Hey, how you doing, guys? Hey, how are, are you? Are they called Saints all your followers? Yeah, the Saints. The oh. Saints and the Aints. Oh, wow. Ooh, Saints and Aints. Yeah. I was about to say, is this like a New Orleans podcast? Because if it's New Orleans Saints, then we can't be friends. No. But, all right. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, yeah, uh, GoatCast. So GoatCast, basically, uh, there's a huge rush to call every album a goat or the greatest album of all time. And uh, I think that is misguided. So what we do on GoatCast is uh, me and my friends, we sit around, we talk about albums that everyone thinks are amazing, and we decide at the end of the podcast, is it a goat or is it just a really great album? And uh, we'll be talking about The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. We'll be talking about My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, any Kendrick album. It's going to be really dope. It's going to be a good time. Sounds good. I'm super excited about it. I'm a music head. A lot of my listeners and followers are music heads. Okay. So I think, y'all, this is going to be something for you. So if you have an opportunity, like I said, follow Drexton. He's about to put you on and tell you if this album is the GOAT. Or not. So make sure you follow. So, Drex, what are we talking about today? Man, we're talking about everything. So this podcast is Faith, Culture, and Adults. And so we're going to start with the biggest culture news so far, which is Cardi B's baby. Yes. Come on, Cardi B. Cardi B. You know, I love me some Cardi B. You know why? She is true to herself. She is so authentic. She's super honest. And you can't help but love her. You know, she says what on her mind, not like a lot of people do. You know, mm-hmm. people like to dance around things. But Cardi B, she's straightforward. She, you know, she is what you see. And she had a fantastic year last year. She surprised us with a marriage to Offset, which none of us was expecting. Right. You know, and now they have this baby. Yes. And then, like, the baby's name is Culture Kiari. And then what? Cephas? Cyphus? Cyphus? Cephas? Cyphus, which is Offset's <laughs> real last name, which is terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I would, if my last name was uh, Cyphus, I would change it to Offset too. Come on, Cardi. Culture with a K. Like, we couldn't do any better. Aww. Like, like, but then again, like, she, look at her idols. She's got Beyonce, who named the, her kid Blue. You got Surrey and Rumi. Surrey and Rumi. You got Northwest. <laughs> Surrey and Rumi. You got Saint Surrey West. Rumi. Surrey and Rumi. Siri. What is it? Siri. Siri. <laughs> <Name's> Siri. <laughs> now, uh, yeah, you got you got so many weird baby names now. So I guess culture isn't too off. 
Honestly, now I just do everything for the culture, but it's just the baby culture now. I'm not doing it for the big culture. No for the big culture, but for baby culture. Baby culture. I mean, I think culture is a cute name, but you know, but the Kiari, I was like, now that's cute. Mm-hmm. So I would have said like, okay, Kiari culture, but culture Kiari, I was like, wait, huh? But you know what? Her daddy gave her that name. She's going to wear that name proud. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. she's going to be a boss. And she's a little millionaire in the making. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, her, that baby is born rich already. I mean, the Migos haven't gone wrong since Trap Out the Bando. Um, and that's that's an Atlanta hit. And I'm from Atlanta. I'm actually from uh, Swanee, Lawrenceville, Georgia area, mm-hmm. which is about maybe five miles away from where the Migos grew up. Okay. So when they were like, Trap Out the Bando, I was like, where? This is a suburb. There are no Bandos in the suburb, there may be some really nice empty houses. You know what I mean? There might be uh, something going through a foreclosure, but there's no real bandos. They listen, they're living next to like a Gladys or a Gwendolyn. You know? That's really? Not, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. It's not rough in Lawrenceville. It just really isn't. Yeah. It's not. It's not rough in Lawrenceville at all. Uh, you you rarely see homeless people. Like and really like the homeless people that you can see is like oh man I'm a little late on rent this month you got me like that's that's the closest to homeless you're gonna see in Lawrenceville. So it's not the hood. It's not the hood at all. It's not. Yo, that's so funny because you know I you know I went to Spelman right mm-hmm. so and everybody who listens knows that I went to Spelman. I love me some Spelman, but you know I didn't really get much out in Atlanta. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I pretty much stayed in you know. 280. <laughs> <laughs> just right there. <laughs> you know, and didn't really go far far up, you know, 75, 85. You know, I kind of stayed within, you know, the circle. Mm-hmm. Um, that just keeps going around and around, y'all. It's literally a giant circle. Yeah, it is. Um, for a highway. But yeah, so I really don't know much outside of that space. So for you to be like, yeah, you know, Lawrenceville, it's like, yeah, no. It's like Gladys. No, nice. shout out to <laughs> shout out to North Cornell High School. That's where I went. But um, no, like it's not as bad as people think it is. Um, honestly, when I was growing up, people were like, don't go to Atlanta. You'll die. Like, they'll, they'll stab you out there. And I moved to Atlanta, and it was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. It's amazing. It's the, it's the greatest place on earth. It, I'm biased. I, me too. Me too. <laughs> Every single time I go up here, I'm like, it's not Atlanta. No, it's not. No. You can't get good food up here like you that. Can't, you can't get good wings. No. Um, lemon pepper wings like that. Lemon pepper wet. Come, come you, on, lemon pepper wet, not lemon pepper dry. Not right. You want to get the real <laughs> lemon peppers. They don't do lemon pepper wings out here, right? They um, the parties aren't as lit. Like you can go to Edgewood on any night of the week and have the best time of your life, but you gotta you gotta find a good party in New York. You know. I mean, but the culture is different. Culture is different. You know, since we're talking about culture, the culture, the northern culture and the southern culture is very different. Yeah. But I you know what? I don't think it's a fair assessment comparison is when people try to say oh Atlanta is the New York of the South like absolutely not that's no. a that's a reach because that New York is just the New York of New York yeah you know like there is no New York of the South like LA is not the New York of the West it's just LA it's just LA and Atlanta you know not unfortunately but Atlanta uniquely just has to be Atlanta yeah <laughs> like that's just kind of it so um yeah baby culture and Cardi B and Offset you know that's that merge in that New York meets mm-hmm. the dirty south and all that good stuff trap music you know yeah they're all going to be living in Atlanta yeah. yeah yeah Gwinnett County something like that hopefully not Gwinnett County but, uh, <laughs> somewhere in Fulton County somewhere maybe. in Fulton County I mean Atlanta it's it's just different. I mean, literally any hit on the radio right now is probably from someone from Atlanta. 
Um, this is true. And so that, I think now with the internet, that culture is merging. Mm-hmm. But I think New York still wants to be hard. Wants to be? I think it wants to be. Because, <laughs> like, it, like, I listen to a song and they'd be like, yo, man, this Ja Rule song featuring Jay-Z is going to be the hardest thing in the streets. And then you get to Williamsburg and they're selling pickles, like, for for free samples. Like, it's weird. Like, New York wants to be hard so bad that, like, it's just holding on to all these hard artists. Like, I haven't heard Cameron drop a verse in, like, three years. But everybody's like, Cameron, man, you got to... You, if you ain't listening to Cameron at the club, you just ain't at the club. It's like, nah, I'd much rather listen to 21 Savage or someone from Atlanta just have the time of their life. It's just different. I'll, okay. I'll, mm, I, no? I, you know, I'm biased. Okay. But, you know, but I'll, I'll halfway give you that. You know, I'm, I'm biased. Who are you biased against? This is the thing. I think right now, things move in seasons, okay. right? So I think right now, Atlanta has just been kind of creating the music culture for hip hop. Mm-hmm. And there was a time where it was New York because this is where the origins are, right? Mm-hmm. This is where hip hop originated. And then, um, you know, you kind of had that LA thing, you know, an NWA, mm-hmm. and then, you know, all of them. So like, who was Midwest? So, well, the St. Lunatics. The St. Lunatics? <laughs> Chingy. Chingy. <laughs> all right, so let's, let's start there because Chingy had two whole hits, which was Right There and Holiday Inn. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that What song. you doing? Nothing chilling at the Holiday Inn. Who you with? Me and my people celebrate for your friends. What you gonna do? On it. Like, that it was perfect. <laughs> it was a hit. Then you had Murphy Lee. Oh, yeah. Yeah, What the Hook Gonna Be. You had Shake the Tail Feather, which is in Bad Boys 2. Mm-hmm. And then you had uh, Murphy Lee, which I think is, like, one of the strongest songs on that whole album. And then you had Nelly. And Nelly was the only one that really broke out. But the only time, like, I really care about the St. Lunatics ever is the Welcome to Atlanta remix. Oh, wow. Yeah, remember okay. that part where, like, they're, like I think uh, it was Snoop Dogg's verse, and, like, he kind of chilled it out, and then they were like, they say St. Louis ain't hip-hop, dirty, we hopped to was hip. I'm a lunatic with too much grip to let us slip. It was perfect. I mean, that Welcome to Atlanta remix was was really great, actually, because that's when 106 and Park was still alive. Yeah, with Free. Um, yeah, with Free and AJ, mm-hmm. and I remember when that video came out, and it was like, whoa! It was like, look at all these like MCs and people coming from like all over the country to make music. And it was like such a beautiful thing to see. And we have not seen anything else like that ever again. Ever? Ever. Ever, ever. But ever, ever. But ever, ever. (laughs) I'm trying to think of like a a huge song that had everybody. No. No. Exactly. No. 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 Mm -mm. Nope. Mm -mm. Nope. Because it hasn't happened. Again. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I don't know should but I don't know because it would just be a whole different sound now. it would be very different actually you know what you would have to do you would have to get like a Kendrick and a Cole and a Wale now that would be really really great that would be really great because now Wale you got like the DC so angry. the New York mm-hmm. the Cali um, who's hot from? Oh, get the Migos on there. Migos would be good. Yeah, but Migos will hop on any song. They did a song with Katy Perry. They'll hop on anything at this Listen, point. the Migos got on with Calvin Harris and Frank Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> like, the Migos would just be like, y'all got money? Okay, we in here. Let's do it. Listen, um, they're on, uh, you know, the song, um, you know, the Beyonce song, the Ape song. Oh, yeah. You know, Ape Skirt. Ape, <laughs> Ape Skirt. They on Ape Skirt. <laughs> But, like, that's the thing. All they have to do at this point is just do uh, ad-libs. Because I remember when they were on um, that one Usher song. Um, they were at a club. Oh, they're on um, Usher song? It was like, shawty, I don't, don't mind. If you dance on a pole, that'll make you a I don't shawty. Know that song. Really? Because in the background, the Migos are just like, skirt! Woo-woo! 
like the entire song. They never have a oh, verse. Oh, see, I don't even know that song. So you gotta check it wow, out. Wow, it's the fall of Usher. Usher he big con- fell off. He confessed and that was it. That was it. <laughs> After Confessions, I don't think Usher has had a good album. Since. Confessions was his greatest album. That was it. And that was it. Yeah, yeah. That and the one where he's on the escalator. No, Situations. Yeah. 8701. 8701. That's what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, but that video that you're talking about was You Remind Me. That's oh. what that video was. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy because I named a different song off that album because that album was good too. That actually. album was really good. It that, was good. But like you gotta understand, like Usher started so young. He did. Oh, do you remember when Usher came out with Can You Get With It? Yeah, but see, do you remember my way when he was running through the skate park with all his I friends? I remember that. And he was like four foot two. Oh stop. <laughs> <laughs> Like ouch! <laughs> no, he looked like a he looked like a like a young Chris Brown. Like remember when Chris Brown had run it? Oh was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. See, VA artist Chris Brown. Wow. Yeah, well, he just got arrested this week. I know, and but he still had his Prudential Center concert last night, and apparently he's still performing in Camden like Wednesday. Yeah. So yeah, and he's like, making it happen, Captain. I saw I saw an Instagram post like it was saw it was like a video of him dancing. And it was like, that's a real man right there. I'm like, I the, the word real is being very loosely thrown out right now. It was like, like, this guy has a whole rap sheet. But then again, if you make hits, how... If you make hits, mm-hmm. if you make enough, people forget about your rap sheet. No. I think. No, because R. Kelly's not off the hook. I Have you heard I Believe I Can Fly? I've heard I Believe I Every Can Fly. Every time I get mad at R. Kelly... Clipped. Every single time I get mad at R. Kelly, I just hear like, at first I was, I was like, no, oh, no. <laughs> See, I, if, listen, I was so upset. Somebody like one of my, um, you know, people out here mm-hmm. put a, a R. Kelly song in their Insta story. And I was like, really though? Well, okay. So let's look at <laughs> R. Kelly's rap sheet. We should have canceled him well before the Ignition remix. Well, no, he should have been canceled. When he married Aaliyah. Yeah, really. So he married Aaliyah. Yeah, he then he put out the initial remix, and we're like, "Okay, R. Kelly, you get to breathe a little bit." Then, right? He but he married Aaliyah before the Space Jam soundtrack. Didn't before he? that, before that whole trial situation, like everything, like he should have been gone a long time. Yeah, ago. the trial, and then he had a basement full of Aaliyahs. This is what I'm saying. Like, this is the problem. Like, we and we support in the name of rooting for everybody black. Sometimes we give people a pass, and we shouldn't. And I think R. Kelly is one of those people who we should not give a pass to and we should hold chris accountable too yeah. to an extent you know and you know i think we should hold people accountable for their actions agreed agreed yeah and i think you can be both pro-black and hold people accountable you absolutely can and i think there's a way to appreciate someone's art and still say you know what but i really don't support what you're doing and if me giving you my money is financially supporting you and what you're doing, I can no longer do that. So I can't spend your record. But do you think that people are too quick to cancel people now? I'm not saying that we shouldn't cancel R. Kelly. We should, totally. But like people were having a whole campaign of deleting all his music off Spotify and everything. And then that same week, they were trying to cancel Issa Rae and Gambino. Remember when all that happened? It was like... Well, but... Gambino and Issa Rae didn't have a sexual allegation against they them didn't, either. But at, but the same type, the same people were still trying to cancel. Them. Well, see, with that, they were trying to cancel them for like interracial dating and interracial marriage, and like Issa being attracted to like Asian dudes, and like Gambino being married to a white woman. Like you know, that's different though. But can, like, okay, so with the Issa Rae situation. It wasn't that she was saying that she was attracted to Asian mm-hmm. men. It was in her book. She was like, the two 
most disenfranchised groups as far as social media dating goes are educated black women Mm -hmm. and Asian men. So mm-hmm. since they're the two most disenfranchised groups, they might as well date, and then everyone is happy. And at that, and she, mind you, she wrote this book years ago, but yeah. all of a sudden, three weeks ago, they're like, "We got to cancel Issa Rae." Why? It's, oh, you know, keep going, man. Right? Insecure <laughs> season three is about to drop. We cannot cancel her before I figure out what happened at the end of like. I gotta know. And before you go there, because we're gonna go there, we're gonna go to we're gonna move to Insecure season three. But in the name of canceling. One of the things that I talked about on the podcast, actually my very first episode, is how people wanted to cancel Michael B. Jordan um, because he was allegedly, reportedly dating a white woman or a quote-unquote non-black woman, but yet still ethnic. Mm-hmm. And people were like, oh my God, we got to cancel him. We're going to boycott Black Panther. And I was like, absolutely not. Mm-mm. No, we're not. No, no, we're not going to do that. Not off that no, soundtrack. Mm-mm. No, mm-mm. no. No, we're not going to do this. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. One, we're just not going to cancel Michael B. Jordan because he's, we're just not going to do that. <laughs> um, and two, we're definitely not going to boycott all of Black Panther because of his dating choices. Like, that's not going to be okay. I semi can kind of co-sign with what you're saying about do are we too quick to cancel and pass judgment? Because I do think sometimes we cancel things from a perspective, not necessarily knowing the whole story. And sometimes we cancel people based on a byline or like a, a sound blip or a sound bite and not really knowing the full story. True. So I can kind of co-sign with that. Also... And this is just a question for you because I really want to know your input. Okay. Can you be pro-black but also date outside your race? Well, yeah. Because being pro-black doesn't mean you're anti-white, doesn't mean you're anti-Asian, doesn't mean you're anti-Latino or you know Latinx or whatever have you. I don't think um, being pro-black is being proud of who you are. And I think to be proud of who you are and to love yourself and to embrace yourself doesn't... It, I don't think you're dismissing... Uh, your culture by dating outside of the race. I don't think that's, yeah, I don't think that's synonymous. I completely agree. I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. Now, if you ask my preference, Pre- right. that's another story. Okay. But do I think, you know, but some people, you know, they like what they like. And who am I to be like, you can't like what you like? True. True. Because at the end of the day, like, people are going, I think when it comes to love, and I think love is the most powerful force in the universe because I.E. God, you know, God is love. Mm -hmm. And if God is joining two souls together and the outside appearance, the vessel that is holding that soul happens to look different from the one that looks like yours um, or may look exactly the same as yours, who are we to say who can and can't be in relationship? Exactly. And everybody's relationship and choices are for themselves. And so I'd be like, more power to you, sister. So when I see a sister or brother with, you know, of the other hue, don't mean I don't have an opinion, but it's not my business, right? You know, I just know for me in my house mm-hmm. <laughs> what I like. Um, but that's that's perfect. Hey, that's perfect. Because <laughs> when This Is America came out, mm-hmm. they were like, "Oh, you all talking about race and everything, but your girlfriend white." And it's like, yeah, he probably got both sides of that house. He's probably learning everything, everything, everything. He knows that this is America, exactly. Because his girlfriend and her family are like, "This is America. This is exactly what's happening." And here's what it is from our perspective. And I think if you like, not saying, "Oh, everyone should go day outside of the race. Hey, do what you want to live your life." All I'm saying is, when you purposely shut out other perspectives, you're missing out on so much more. Yeah. Like in Atlanta, um, it's it's still very segregated. You know, so like when I moved to Atlanta, um, it was it was just me and a whole bunch of black people, and it was wonderful. And growing up in Swanee, it was me and a whole bunch of white people, which mm-hmm. was great. Um, but 
getting both of those perspectives, I was able to make more informed decisions about my life and the things that that happen around me and how I want to take those things Mm. because I've seen both sides. And then moving up to New York, I live in Washington Heights, which is a predominantly Hispanic community. We're here? Like, right here. No, this is Sugar Hill. You are not technically in Washington Heights. Technically, okay. So, Hamilton Heights, (laughs) Sugar Hill, Harlem. I'm in, like, I'm in, like, like, if you You go down. Upper Harlem. Listen, if you go, if you make a a right on Amsterdam, you are in Black Harlem. If you make a left, you can get some sofrito over mofongo rice, and it is wonderful, and it is authentic. Now... Because of that, like I get different perspectives up here. I get when I go to a bodega now, I get called poppy. I enjoy it, right? When I'm outside, people think I'm Dominican. I think that's you great. You know what? Somebody today, um, I was picking up a slice of pizza, and the guy asked me if I was Puerto Rican, and I said no. And he was like, "Are you um, Brazilian?" I said no. And he's like, "Oh, oh, so are you Dominican?" And I'm like, "No." Are you Cuban? <laughs> and I'm like, "No, I'm black." Right. Like a black American. But in the South, that's what you get. In the South, you're like, you're black, you're Hispanic, you're white. Up here, I can be anything. You literally can be. <laughs> I can walk out one day and be like, you know what? I'm feeling Jamaican today. I'm going to be the whole way Jamaican. I'm a dirty wine. I'm going to get some of this oxtail. I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to be Jamaican. And I can go back in, come back out. I'm Dominican. Let's go get some mofongo. <laughs> Let's get some plantains. I'm going to make it happen. Like, this is how it is. Make it happen. You're hilarious. <laughs> um... Yeah, so you made a comment about um, Insecure Season 3. Yep. So we should definitely talk about that. Let's do it. All right, Insecure Season 3. Go for it, because I know you are a huge hashtag Team Lawrence High fan. Don't do me. Don't do me. (laughs) Okay? Like, no. I think everyone in the show was wrong except for Tasha, because I love her soul. And Tasha's uh, the unsung hero. She is the unsung hero. And after after everything that happened at the end of Season 2, oh, man. I became a bigger fan. I don't know why. Um, Here's what I'm saying, though. Lawrence is an understandable case. Mm -hmm. I'm not siding with Lawrence. I'm not siding with anybody on the show. But Lawrence is an understandable case because when you're looking at the male psyche, you have to look at it on two levels. You have to look at it on how women perceive men, Mm -hmm. and you have to look at it on how men perceive other men. Hmm. You're going to help us today. All right. I'm here. I'm All right. Here. Help us today. Because I'm like, okay, okay. All right. I'm going to let you have this. Go ahead. Okay. So whether people realize it or not, we're all raised a certain way or in, in very similar ways. The way society is set up right now, from a woman's perspective, a man is supposed to be able to provide. Hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean he has to. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's the expectation from a woman, but from society's standpoint, or from a woman's point, uh, a woman's point of view, a man's ability to provide speaks highly on his favorability. From a man's point of view, another man's ability to pull women speaks to his favorability. So men will will hang around other men who can pull women because it makes them look like they can pull more women. And women will hang out with men who can pro- who look like they can provide or can't provide because it looks better for them to be with someone who can provide for them. And so when you're looking at uh, Insecure Season 1, Lawrence was unable to provide for Issa. He was out of a job for four years, staying on the couch, forgetting birthdays, 
He can't provide birthday affection. That's weird. Right? <laughs> That's going to be a thing. Birthday affection. Birthday affection. I don't you, got no gift. I got birthday right, affection. Get, <laughs> there's nothing worse than a belated birthday affection. You don't want none of that. Um, and he couldn't provide any of it. And so Issa, looking at that, is fed up. She's like, I, not, she never came out and said, he can't provide for me. But she came out and was like, I don't want to be with him anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? And so if Issa had full-on cheated at the beginning of season one, Lawrence probably would have been more upset, but he probably would have understood. Because hmm. he would have been like, obviously, I'm not, I can't provide for you. And maybe someone else was able to in a way that I wasn't able to. Mm. And so I'm upset that you did this. But also, I understand that my favorability is low. Okay. 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 But since she cheated on him after he got himself together, yeah, it hurt him more because he's like, I already did all the providing part. I can provide now. I got and my stuff together. I got my stuff together. I'm here working this tech job. Whoop whoop. All of it. No and longer at the Best Buy. No. And and here I am able to provide, and yet you're gonna cheat. And so it probably hurt him worse because it's like no. In his mind, it's like no matter what I do, mm-hmm. I can't. I, 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 I can't be enough for you. Which is why his friends, the other men in the series, were like, well, let's go to the strip club. Let's go get girls. Let's do this. Call Tasha. Make it happen. You know what I mean? Because they're looking at his favorability and being like, well, the more you're able to pull, the better you're going to feel, the better you're going to look. But as season two broke down, he was able to pretty much pull whatever he wanted. But was yep. he happy? Nope. No. And so it, it kind of speaks to, to both levels of that. So it's, it's how women perceive men. It's how men perceive men. It's, and it's also uh, how we perceive ourselves. And to have that cognitive dissonance there mm-hmm. of being like, I want to be able to provide for the person I want to be with and I want to be faithful to that person. Mm-hmm. But then having the outside world being like, hey, bro, you only look good if you're unfaithful. All right, go out, go out here and be unfaithful with all these people. You're going to look real great. It's a weird cognitive dissonance. And and that's what a lot of men have to work through on their own. Mm, okay. So, Saints, Drexton is teaching us because I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, I had no idea that, like, men, like, have that, what do women think of them? And then what do other men think of them? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that is such, like, a light bulb moment, like, for a few of us, especially me. So, I never really thought about that. Um but then again, I don't actually think about what men think. So I mean, so you, so you never, well, like, it's not like that for women. It's not like, oh, well, I, I feel like society wants me to do this, and I feel like people look at me like this, and so I, you, you kind of have to work into it because I feel like, I mean, I just see you guys in the street just getting catcalled on a daily basis, and nobody catcalls to me. I think because you know I walk around looking frumpy. I don't, you know, no, 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 no. They me. know you saved. They ain't go. <laughs> I think I walk around with like a she is a pastor written across her forehead. Like, it was like know. she is she is ordained. We it's get. like ordained. <laughs> Do not touch. Like it's kind of like so. No, I don't really get catcalled. That I think it would be hilarious. <laughs> I mean, not hilarious if you got catcalled, but if you got catcalled and just went into a sermon, like you were just like, and then Peter said, and then Peter said. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, what, <laughs> how do you how do you think men perceive 
you as a woman and I, and women in general? So how do men perceive me um, and women in general? Okay, that's a great question. So I think men, I'll say in general, right? I think it depends on the guy. Because mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think how men perceive is a one-size-fits-all. I think be around my... So I have a lot of clergy colleagues who are male, and all of them are different, mm-hmm. right? So some want like a prepackaged, ready-made, you know, move-in-ready situation with women. Like, okay, is she degreed? Is, does she have, you know, any kids? Do, if she does have kids, you know, where's the dad? Like, they're looking through a list of things, like, to kind of check off so that she can kind of accessorize his life. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily compliment, but accessorize. Like, trophy. Like, okay, you're here. Mm-hmm. Then I think um, some men perceive women as, I want a partner. Someone who's literally going to help win with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I may not have it all right now, but maybe we can grow together. Or, another thing... How can I have someone who can support me? Okay, she's here. I may not be where she's at yet, but maybe if I hang around her long enough, what she has will start to rub off on me. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing, too, some men really are just around someone because they just want the support. Like, they literally want to be carried and mothered and looking for that nurturing. Mm -hmm. Oh, she's going to cook. I can sleep on the couch. I can do this, that, and third. You know, like, whatever. Like, literally looking to be nurtured. Right. Um... So I think those are the different... I mean, there's more perspectives, but those are the ones that are like immediately jumping like in my mind. How guys perceive me? You know what? Guys don't actually tell me how they perceive me, mm-hmm. per se. Unless they actually just come out with it. But a lot of like my male friends who have observed me have said that I either, one, come across as... And this is also universal. Intimidating. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't necessarily look available not necessarily like, oh, I don't look single, but I don't look like I'm open. Okay. Yeah, like I want to be talked to or I want to entertain someone. Um, or that I am someone who may be out of out of reach or mm-hmm. out of like, you know, out of, yeah. So they'll see the Spellman, they'll see the Yale, they'll see the pastor, and they see that, but they don't see the person. And they're kind of like, oh, she wouldn't be interested in me. Or they will say, you know what? I'm not really trying to be about that life. I kind of really want something, something else. If you get Catch My Drift Saints, (laughs) you know, something else. And she's not going to provide that thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of like that, how sometimes people perceive me. But I'm just be like, yo, you don't even know me. Right. Like, you don't know me. Um, and truth be told, I'm an, I'm a really nice person, I think. <laughs> well, but how do women perceive other women? Or how, how how do women perceive the status of other women? How do women perceive the statuses of, of other women? Ooh, cool. So this is a good question considering I went to a women's college, right? Mm-hmm. Um, from the outside, women are like, okay, she's got it all together, but waiting to see what's that thing about her that's going to make her like, ooh, you're not all that you said you were. Mm-hmm. So there's that kind of dynamic that I've noticed between women. Then there's the dynamic of, wow, like, she's really great. I don't know if I'm like her. But, and they start to play the comparison game. Mm-hmm. So you see that a lot, too, with women sometimes doing comparison. Like, oh, she's got this, she's got that, but I don't have this or I don't have that. Or you get the opposite of, I got this and she don't, so that makes me better than. Mm-hmm. So you see those kinds of dynamics with women perceiving each other. Sometimes. Not all the time, though. Right. But some women are genuinely, like authentic and love sisterhood like i know for me and my friends we love sisterhood like we love and support each other you know and i do believe that there are women 
who don't want what other women have, mm-hmm. but want to see how we can be in community and grow together and be supportive of one another. Yeah. Yep. So that's, that's just the realness on that. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I wish it was like that for men more. Okay. I mean, to a certain degree it is. There is a togetherness. There is a bond. There is a brotherhood. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and in a lot of ways that, uh, a lot of ways men do try to build with each other. Okay. Um, however, mm-hmm. when it comes to a more personal level, I think sometimes a lot of men can miss the mark because we've been raised that, hey, don't show your emotions. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, crying is crying is for girls. Don't do that. Oh. You're right. If you got a problem, go fix that problem. Mm-hmm. We don't have time to sit here and and deal with it. And then you leave you you end up with a lot of people with depression, anxiety, and mental health issues. And if not even mental health issues, just problems letting their emotions out in the first place. A lot of issues that could have been solved or can be solved end up not getting solved. Mm-hmm. Or uh, case in point, back to Insecure. There was, a, there was a scene where some things had happened and Lawrence called his friend about it. Not to really brag about the situation that happened, but to let his friend know that, hey, I'm not in a good place. And rather than listen to that, he was just like, well, did, did something great happen? All right, man, I'll talk to you later. It was, it, there's, a, there's a thing that says, I can't talk to other men about this. Mm. And so that's when you lead to those dissonances that we talked about earlier where, you know, okay, it's not about how is my friend feeling? What can I do to help him feel better? It's... Hey, I hope my friend's still out here pulling. <laughs> okay. Right? I hope he's out here, I hope he's out here getting getting everything that he needs to get, you know, getting all the all the chicken and not the, the chicken side, and the side dishes, getting the whole meal out here in getting these streets. Getting the whole meal. So, you know, and and that golden side. corraling it up in here. Right. Full buffet. <laughs> For 490. Unlimited. <laughs> I can't take you. Fake chicken. <laughs> Fake chicken. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I feel like as men, we need to do better. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of ways, none of us were really taught how to be better. Ooh, you said something. <laughs> none of us were really taught how to be. Wow. That that makes me want to ask, like, how important is it for, like, men to have mentorship? That's not just professional, but also, like, personal. It's it's imperative mm. that men do that. I mean, you were talking earlier about how you know a lot of men look to women, especially the ones that they're in a relationship with, for support, mm-hmm. and that's because they're not getting it from somewhere. Mm. And so, all of the support that they feel like they need, they throw it on y'all, and then and, and then say, "Hey, deal with this for me." And then you're like, I got to mother this kid, nurture him. This a grown kid. And and it and it's a lot to put on you whereas if they're if they had a professional mentor and also a personal mentor. Mm-hmm. You know, someone who could listen and give them advice and help them along the way, maybe some of that stress will be taken off your backs. And then you can learn to build a relationship with a healthy individual who is there helping you build and doesn't care about 
you know, oh, you went to Spelman and then Yale. And the, and the reason why a lot of guys care about that is, again, mm-hmm. it goes back to the whole feeling of I can't provide. Mm. Right? Because you go, you say, oh, I've been to Spelman and Yale. And then say they went to Georgia Gwinnett College. Shout out to Georgia Gwinnett College. Went there. Um, <laughs> they, they're sitting there thinking, obviously, because she went here. She has a better ability to provide than I could provide for her. So she is now out of my league because she went to an Ivy League, you know, or wherever. And again, that's that's something that is an insecurity put on us by the people in our lives, especially the other men in our lives. And if there was a mentor that said, hey, you're being dumb. Go talk to that girl because you like her Mm. and build with her. As an individual, not based off these credentials that society has put on everybody to, to compare themselves to, maybe you might have more meaningful relationships. Hmm. I think you're saying something, Drex. When you said, um, when you mentioned insecurities, it helped me to understand what insecure is really about, right, as a show. Not only are they insecure individually within themselves, but a lot of times they're insecure because they're wondering about how everyone else is perceiving what they're doing and how they're acting or who they're becoming. And so not only are they just trying to find themselves, but they're trying to find themselves and they're stressed out about what everybody thinks in that process of finding themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the struggle for so many of us young adults, right? Until we come up outside of ourselves and stop wondering what other people think and how other people feel about us, and we just start to love on ourselves, then we become less insecure. Exactly, which is why Tasha is the unsung hero of the show. (laughs) She didn't care. She was at the bank. She was cashing his unemployment checks. She was like, you got this. I believe in you. She came in the Best Buy dress in all the overalls, I remember, and it was wonderful. And like, she was in grad school. She had her own place. She knew how ratchet her family was, and she still invited him out to it. And she even knew what her relationship with Lawrence was. And in none of that... And wasn't. And wasn't. And in none of that did she feel insecure in that or worried about what other people might have thought. And even though, yes, in a lot of ways, she was in the wrong too, she was the only one in that show who was fully confident in themselves. And that's why she's the unsung hero. But... Uh, the biggest question, I guess, out of everything we've talked about today is uh, why Why do you think Scorpion was a good album? I think oh, it was terrible. Oh, he's coming for me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know what? <laughs> I want to get this right. <laughs> Before I start you can't getting... even defend it. It's that bad. No, no. It's... Okay. So Scorpion, to me... <laughs> we're coming at, uh, we're coming onto this right out of talking about insecure, which mm-hmm. is funny to me um, because I think you see a lot of Drake's insecurities all up and through this now, album. Kiki and KT. Kiki, do you love me? That's insecurity. Are you riding? No. You said you'd never leave. You need that support, Drake. You need that support. You no. ain't getting it. You know, and I, I, you know what? I this is what I will say. I didn't think that's in my defense. Scorpion is a good album, but I don't think Scorpion is a goat album. I think it might be Drake's best album. That's a lie. In my opinion. That's a lie and you know it. <laughs> Stop it. Can't be out here lying. <laughs> no, it's you, true though. You know who's watching? You can't be out here lying under him like this. Look, Drake's best album is Take Care. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it Take isn't. Take Care had nothing but hits. It was co-produced and written by The Weeknd. 
and who I don't like. You, well, that's that's your problem. Here's <laughs> like as soon as he cut his hair off, he became a new person. When he had all that hair and he was hidden behind the shadows, remember like his first three albums, we didn't even know what he looked like. It was actually his best. Um, he when he was writing for Drake and Take Care, that was a perfect album. The only thing was he had one problematic line in Marvin's room, which was weird. But other than that, like it was it was his best album. It was well put together. That maybe nothing was the same. Maybe nothing was the same. And then after that, it's got to be maybe views, even though Jamaican Drake, I don't know. I can't I can't deal with Patois Drake too much, but views was good. I don't think Scorpion was good, but I think I got spoiled by Kanye's albums. And that's probably why. Yeah, because they were so short. They were 23 minutes. They were in and out. I fell asleep twice on Drake's album. Well, this is what I will say. It is very long. It is. But I still think if you're not trying to play it straight through, if you're just trying to just like just listen, yeah, you know what? I don't have anything to say about Scorpion anymore. I just think it's a good album. It's okay for Drake. I, I will agree for Drake with you that for Drake. That's that's like saying KOD was a good album for J Cole. You're setting the bar low. <laughs> you just setting the well, bar. Low. I mean, for J Cole, KOD was a good album, but it's like. <laughs> All right, it's J. Cole. Who would you say, let's let's talk about your top three albums ever. Ever? Ever. Across genre. Across genre, top three albums. All right, top three albums ever. Ever. Okay, I will say the top three ever as of right now. Um, because I think certain albums I can't appreciate until I hit a certain stage. Okay. Yeah, so I'll say that. Um, and so first and foremost, I think... For me, the greatest album of all time, period, is the songs in the key of life, Stevie Wonder. Okay. Yes. Um, that for sure. Question. Yeah. Why? Was it a moment in your life that you felt this is the album that speaks to my moment? Or was it something that you heard and you were like, this is just beautiful? So I came across the songs in the key of life when I was about mm, maybe 11. Mm-hmm. And I heard it on vinyl. So my parents had records, like vinyls. And there was, um, you know, a record player in my house, a turntable. Mm-hmm. And I would put it on, and I was like, wow. I said, this music is amazing. Like, this is so good. And, you know, I remember my dad just being like, wow, like, she's going through this stuff. Like, she's really, like, invested. And it just, I remember just how it made me feel. Mm-hmm. It made me feel like, wow. And then I remember hearing... Um, Pastime Paradise and hearing uh, the Coolio song. And I was like, oh, that's how I first understood sampling. Mm-hmm. And so it was just kind of, and I might have even been younger than 11. I might have been about seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember how it just made me feel. It made me feel good. It made me happy. Um, it, you know, really just kind of just made me feel like amazing. And so, but I didn't appreciate the album until I got into my 20s. And then I realized what he's saying about the world, what he's saying about his daughter, mm-hmm. what he's saying about love and relationships, what he's saying about 
the world around him and like circumstances. Like I'm, I see Stevie Wonder not just as an artist, but I see Stevie Wonder as like a prophet, right? Mm-hmm. So I see him speaking truth to power in multiple ways. I see him resisting by using love as resistance. I see him being an artist and just allowing himself to be free and just to explore his own genius. And it's just like, this dude is like in his 20s, mm-hmm. you know? And to have that level of consciousness, to have that level of passion, mm-hmm. it it just inspires me. And I'm, I, I just like, wow, this is what art looks like. Yeah. This is what social justice can look like. This is what love looks like. This is what young adulthood can look like when we're open for the opportunity. This is what it looks like for us to produce when we're open to just doing that. And so for me, that is the greatest album of all time. And then after that, I would have to say, I don't know if it's so much of an album as much as it's a catalog because I love all of his albums almost equally, but I would say Michael Jackson's catalog. Ooh. Yeah. MJ's catalog. Yeah, he's... MJ, if we're really looking at it. Yeah, up until, like... He died. It was perfect album after perfect album after perfect album. Yeah, yeah. So I can't even, like, it's difficult for me to pick a Michael era. But if you had to pick one, pick one. Bad. Bad was good. Mm-hmm. Thriller album was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, was it on the wall or off the wall? Off the wall. Off the wall. And Invincible was incredible. And Dangerous was fantastic because Teddy Riley was producing. And New Jack Swing, the sound had just come out. And so Teddy Riley was really exploring with Guy. He was exploring with um, Blackstreet. And so Mm -hmm. Teddy Riley was like hitting his groove. And so that Dangerous album really reflects, you know, 1992, 1993, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, But I would definitely definitely say bad um, for me, probably out of Michael. But like I said, Michael's catalog would probably be too. I mean, I love the CD's catalog too. Mm -hmm. Um... And then another album, I really, really love Black Messiah. Why? I think Black Messiah was what I needed when it came out. And I think it was an album that had no skips. I think D'Angelo is is incredible. I think he's a genius. He's Mm -hmm. super talented. Um, It was an album that he pushed himself and challenged himself to play guitar because he's not a guitarist. Mm -hmm. He plays the drums. He plays the piano. And he lost weight. He lost weight. You remember with that mugshot? I was like, who ain't D'Angelo? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> or who did D'Angelo eat? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I hear eating band members. No, oh, shucks. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, D'Angelo's Black Messiah in terms of contemporary. I mean, but there's so many great albums. There is. There's so many. And I love so many artists. Like, I love everything Layla Hathaway does. I love Anita Baker. Um, mm-hmm. I love Donny Hathaway. I love Babyface's songbook. I like how you said there's so oh. many good new things and then you said Donny Hathaway. <laughs> no, said, there's so many good albums. Like there's just so many great things. Oh, I think for hip hop, um, you know, I love Kendrick. So yeah. I'm going to say um, To Pimp a Butterfly was his best work. Mm-hmm. Followed up by Damn. You know, Damn's a good album. King, you know, the girl group King. Mm-hmm. They're out of California. Mm-hmm. Their debut album is fantastic. I think Chloe and Hallie have a fantastic debut album. Oh my gosh, Amy Winehouse. Of course. Frank was yeah. so good. Back to Black was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, Solange's A Seat at the Table was fantastic. Um, you know, I have two playlists. It's called it, It's a Issa Vibe. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Issa Vibe. And those are, those two playlists, I have a male playlist and a female playlist. And those two playlists are all the albums 
that I think by male or female artists that I think are the greatest albums hmm. that I enjoy. And I have it on Spotify. Um, and if I was thinking, I would have pulled it out so I could have just it's read it from it. It's all good. <laughs> Instead of trying to think. Because, like, I think 112 has a really great album. Their part three album was fantastic. Wait, wait, wait. They have a new one out? No, 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 no. It's, it's like an old one. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say, I was like, 112 no. hadn't been popular since Club 112 was open. No, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one twelve had a someone great in album. Atlanta is just hurting right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, one twelve like part three was such a good album. In sync had good albums when I was coming up. True, you know, I mean, there's just so it, there's there's a, there's a lot there's there's a lot of good albums out there. Mm. But now, I mean, there are people producing trash. But what about you? What are your top three? Top three of albums? all time? Because now we're because we're talking about people we like, and I was just thinking of all the people, even from Atlanta, who were just making hits. Like even if the album wasn't complete or well, you know, together, like Quad City DJs. I forgot Quad City DJs made the Space Jam theme song, mm-hmm. and and. Uh, What's that song? At night, I think. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Made that song. They made so many. Anyway, um, Ghost Town was it Ghost something? Was it Ghost Town DJs? Yeah, that's it. Ghost Town DJs. Ghost Town DJs. Yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah. So you're right. You're right. So there's Quad DJs and there's anyway. I guess goats. Well, not goats, but just three top three. I'm gonna go more contemporary. You went. Okay. You were like, oh man. I held it down for the past. You did hold it down. You know, because I'm the old lady on the podcast. Barely. <laughs> It's like, oh, y'all don't. I was there when Otis Redding dropped. <laughs> Sitting on the dock of the bay. Nah. <laughs> then the plane went down. It's not funny. It's there true. was no sound clouds back in my day. We just looked at clouds and made noises. Now, I would say number one album, completely unskippable, uh, Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Oh, yeah. That's definitely on my East of I. Hands down. Yeah. And Honestly, the more things that I go through in life, the more I understand the album. Oh, yeah. Like, when I was younger, it was just like, oh, I want to listen to doo-wop 40 times a day. And just, you know. But then as I got older, I was like, you know what? People do really be about that thing and nothing else, right? But then... Okay. okay. And nothing else. Okay. <laughs> and then, uh, but then, you know, to Zion, wonderful song. Yeah. Nothing Even Matters. That, featuring- that is that is amazing. That song. It is. Yeah. It is. And with D'Angelo. And then the the craziest thing for me was um, was the use of skits. Mm-hmm. I love 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 a good use of skits in albums because mm-hmm. you have one of two albums. You have albums that use skips or skits incorrectly, and then you have better albums. And I think Miseducation of Lauryn Hill used all of the, the little skits to to not only educate the people listening. But just to kind of create this vibe of the album that that kind of connects it all together, and the only other person I can think of that uses that so well is Kanye West. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. in College Dropout, you had the little Jimmy skits. Yeah. He's like, like, my dad got so greedy with degrees, he took my degrees, and every single time I hear that, I, I laugh. Uh, and then you've got Late Registration. Yep. Broke Five Broke Fraternity. Yep. And that was perfect. And then, but my favorite Kanye album of all time, which only had one skit featuring my favorite comedian of all time, mm-hmm. uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. You know, I'm going to let you have that. I still think 808s and Heartbreak is his, is his best, but that's just me. It depends on how you feel. I can't have a great day and listen to 808s. 
I can. Really, I can't be like <laughs> everything's going great, and then it's like memories made in the coldest winter. I'm a. I will start crying on a great day. But uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy had everything that every other album before it had. If you wanted something 808C, you had Lost in the World, you had Blame Game, you had um, you had Devil in a New Dress. If you wanted something Graduation, you had Power. If you wanted you know, just him to just spit. You had um, you had the song with Nicki Minaj at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you had everything, it, and then the movie was okay. I would say the movie was all right for it, but it was just a really great album. So I got to say, Miseducation of Lauryn Hill and My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, and then number three, I will give number three to a new album that I think will be classic soon, and I, I'm gonna have to give it to Daniel Caesar. I knew you're gonna. Yeah, I gotta give it to Daniel Caesar. I was like, why'd you say Daniel Caesar? I (laughs) knew it. (laughs) Freudian was perfect. Yep, that's going somewhere. It is. And uh, what I liked about that album was that it was a conversation. Yeah. It was a conversation because he had a female artist on just about every song. Yep. And if he didn't, he had a choir. And I feel like when he had the choir, he was more talking to himself. And then everything else was a conversation in that album. And that album perfectly depicted the highs and lows of a relationship. And I really, really enjoyed it. I think that is definitely going to be a goat. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. We'll appreciate Daniel Caesar as he continues to grow as an artist. Because yeah. he's fantastic. He, is. he He's fantastic. He's something special. I will never forget the day my buddy Devin, like my little brother. Devin has been on another podcast um, that I'm, I'm on, which is a Just Two Pros podcast. Oh, we shout out Just Two Pros. Yes. And Devin was like, Porish, yo, 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 you need to check this out. No skips. And I was like, okay. And he was right. And I, it, it just, I mean, it's a game changer. Yeah. It's just like, oh, this is what music is supposed to be. Right. Mm-hmm. 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 For this generation who don't know music, this is music. <laughs> what you listen to is a bop, but this is music. Right. <laughs> like, I don't like any of the new Lil people, like Lil Xan. Who? Uh, to, exactly. Takashi69. <laughs> Uh, the little white kid with the yeah, I think he might be Hispanic he's got like weird hair and like I saw him do a freestyle once and it just looked like um, it looked like when you press the middle button on your phone when, it, when you're trying to text and it just looked like a weird verse uh, oh wow I just had a moment where I felt old yeah yeah yep. you're like there's a middle button that's a that's no a, I press all my numbers until they turn the letters you do the, that was a no 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 I'm just <laughs> like to myself like you're naming an artist I'm like who no okay so I mean but then you've got artists like I didn't appreciate Young Thug till today like this afternoon I was listening to Sacrifices oh like literally today like very much today oh I was listening to Sacrifices with Drake and I realized because I was watching uh, I was I was on Spotify and they were doing the little genius follow the lyric thing. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And they did it on his verse. And every ad lib that he did was a part of the verse. So he was like, <laughs> he was like, I'm a user name. Like, who is he? And the ad lib was like, you get it? And it was like, I'm a user name. Like, who is he? I was like, okay, young thug, you out here trying to drop a real verse. You know what I mean? Not <laughs> a real verse. Right. Because before it was just like, who was this man screaming? And also a lot of these rappers could be comedians. Mm-hmm. Like, listening to a 2 chains verse is the best moment of my life. <laughs> best moment of my life, hands down. Like, I was listening to one on a song called Plug Walk, 
and he was like, uh, he said like, your squares got angles Doritos or something like that. And I was like, someone is hungry. Like, this is amazing. Like, I listen to Two Chains all day. But I guess to bring this full circle, if they're a rapper from Atlanta, listen to them. I think everybody else is terrible. No, everyone is not Name terrible. one good New York artist that's new right now. Okay, you said good. Okay, good. so I guess we're just going to leave that alone. You're going to leave it alone? Yep. You said good. You didn't say hot. You said good. There's a, there's a difference there's hot. between a hot artist and then a good artist. Okay, exactly. So I'm going to just leave it alone. Now name one good Atlanta artist. Case in point, Gucci Mane got out of jail and, and did better. How? Because Mona Scott gave him a shot. No, because he went to jail in Atlanta. He got out of jail in Atlanta. No, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. But anyway, so this has been great. Yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, it's been awesome talking to you. And, you know, I am going to ask, how can people get into contact with you? Oh, man. Uh, you can call me at 404. No. Uh, you can, <laughs> if you really want to get in contact, no. Um, you can follow me at this guy Drex, D-R-E-X, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can book me for all of your shows at DrextonComedy at gmail.com. Uh, you can search me on YouTube under Drexton Comedy. Um, you can also book me for all of your shows, uh, all the time, forever. I have a free schedule, so do that. Oh, and then also when GoatCast comes out, uh, listen to it. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I have a lot of comedian friends on there. I might have musician friends. You're definitely going to be on there whenever you want to get on there. And um, Saints, just keep being Saints. This has been awesome. Yay. Thanks, Drex. We're so glad to have you. Yes. Thanks so much for joining me on another episode of Portionality Podcast. Can't wait to hear from you when you email me directly at portionality at gmail.com with your topics and with your listener questions. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Portionality. And as always, peace, light, and love, and namaste to you.